Hi, I'm Julia McCoy, and you're listening to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast with John Hewlin. I'm so excited to be here. I'm the founder of Content Hacker, author of six books, and host of the Content Transformation Podcast. So let's get into it. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, very excited to have each and every one of you join us today, either by watching and or listening. As you heard from the introduction, I have Julia McCoy with me today. Julia, how are you? Good, John. How are you? Oh, I am fantastic. Doing much better than I deserve. Oh, aren't we all? <laughs> That's a good way to say it. All right, folks. Julia said a whole lot of things in her introduction. I'm going to try and go back over some of those. <laughs> but as she mentioned, she is a content strategy coach. That's one of the main things that she does. Not the only thing. Uh, she said in there she is a six-time author. I think it may be higher than that. Is that right, Julia? Is You're it right. six books? Because it... as of, it'll be eight as of 2023. Okay. So, yes, we have two coming out for pre-order end of February. So it'll, <laughs> that never That's exciting. Yeah. Folks, hopefully, we'll, hopefully when we are able to publish this, we'll have a, a link in the show notes for you to be able to do that, to be able to pre-order the two new books. So we'll get into those yeah. in just a minute. Exciting. So coachhacker.com, that's you. Content You're a hacker. course content hacker. I, I, I wrote it right. I said it wrong. <laughs> but she is a course creator. That's right. She has created at least one course that I know of. Uh, she's got a fantastic podcast called Content Transformation. Wow. Now, she's got several other titles, but I'm going to bet these last two are the two most important, wife and mom. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Can't write your bio without that. That is like, that's everything. That's the light. <laughs> yeah. Those two things, what gives everything else meaning. Yes, so true. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to read this because it was on your website and I thought it sounded good. So it's the way you describe you. Okay. I like it. All right. So Julia helps online experts transform into industry leaders through lasting content. Mm. Okay, Julia, first of all, you're going to have to flesh that out for us. What do you mean by that? It sounds great, but what does that look like? Oh, that is such a nutshell. Oh, I hate nutshells. I hate short form. I hate one sentence. <laughs> like, no, that's not how. So what that actually means is... Um, for the last 10 years, I have built my businesses through content, but it's not the typical content. It's not your Instagram, your TikTok, your short form, which is just so prevalent these times. It's not that at all. It was through the blog and the website. In fact, for 10 years, we almost didn't exist on social media. And we were doing a million a year on our own business without any outside funding, without ads, without help. So it was entirely through our website, which generated the majority of our traffic. And what mm. that created was a lasting business where in 10 years, I actually had this little empire on my hands that I turned around and sold for a million dollars. And, you know, I've heard of so many friends and peers that I knew 
that were on the same trajectory. They were on the 10-year path. But when they hit that 10 years, they either shut down or walked away. And mm-hmm. the difference that I do is once you create a self-sustaining machine, aka your website, and it's bringing leads in for you through SEO, which is a scary term, but all it means is getting found in Google through content. Once that's happening, you have something you can sell that has its own value. You can't mm-hmm. sell really your Instagram profile. I mean, you could try, but you know it's worth what it is to that buyer. But if you have a self-sustaining vehicle, your website, the, the sky's the limit with what you could do. So that's my message, and that's what I help people do. It's kind of a lost message in the prevalent era of short form and social media, but it's a more important message than ever because you get to own your content. You can't mm-hmm. own it when it's on any other platform. Excellent point, Julia. Excellent point. Now, do us a favor. You didn't just stumble into this one day. It's like, oh, this just sounds like a great idea. So give us a little bit of a history lesson on Julia. Take us back again as far as you'd like to go, but we want to know some of your backstory. How did you end up where you are today? Ah, yes. I love this question. You know, for me, it was definitely not a typical or traditional route, which I think a lot of us, you can probably identify with some of this. Um, So if we fast forward to 2011, I was 19, I was in college, and I was not really enjoying college or any part of it. So I was on my way to get a nursing degree because I thought at the time that I wanted to help people. And how was that translated back in 2011? Well, you got to be a nurse. (laughs) You help people. So Mm -hmm. I went to college, got halfway through, and it was just not my passion at all. It was probably the very opposite of what I enjoyed doing. So one morning, I'm 19 years old. I'm on a, I think of a spring break going into summer. I know that I'll have a period off of college and I'm like, just one morning, a light bulb moment hit me. What do I really like doing? Writing. That was the answer. I'd love writing since the age of like seven. I'd written a book at age 12. Like it was very clear. I love to write. So what was I doing in nursing school? So that morning I did a Google search, how to make money writing. And that literally started everything. Three months later, I was in, not only in the freelance market, but I was replacing the income I had as a part-time student working at McDonald's. I replaced that income times three within three months. And I just picked up so much speed because I love doing it. You know, it was no problem to get up at 4 a.m. and pursue clients and build a profile because I love doing it. And Mm -hmm. so that passion really fueled me forward. And then in three months, when I had that income coming in and clients at the time, I was like, okay, I can either turn clients away because I'm at my max or I can start a business. So guess what I did at 19? Started a business. And little did I know, 10 years later, last year we sold it. And when we sold it, it had 100 people on staff and we had done over 40,000 projects. So I'm just, you know, blessed and honored that my journey has that story. Like it kind of came from failure. I was failing college, not only halfway through college, but actually failing the semester. And out of that came what I actually loved doing. Wow. I love to hear stories like that. Not necessarily because you were failing in college. I don't mean that. But I mean (laughs) that where you were able to find the opportunity in the midst of failing. Yes, yes. And truly, you know, that I think is a very important lesson for all of us to learn that there are nuggets of truth to find when we fail. Often Mm. we do things right, we don't learn anything. So true. It's only when we fail that we learn because hopefully we're 
open to the possibility of, oh, I'm doing this thing wrong. Maybe I need to be looking at it, maybe not in a completely different way, but even just a slightly different way, just a, a maybe one degree difference can change everything. Yes, yes. And I've repeated that over and over in the last 10 years to the point where I began to see that my failures were how my greatest successes were born. I wouldn't have had those. I wouldn't have, have had my managers that I found to run the company without, you know, getting scammed by two people that stole 80,000 from us. Like that wow. horrible lesson really taught me who not to hire. And it prevented, you know, many years of failures. So it's almost like the, the more of a pitfall it is, the more opportunity you have to have a great comeback. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's, first of all, that's a great way to look at it, a great attitude to have. Uh, unfortunately, I've come across a lot of people, but especially a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, that when they experience those trials that come and for those of you who are just starting out in your own business, understand they're coming. This is hard days time. coming. And, and they don't stop just because you turn the computer off. <laughs> they keep on coming. And so you just got to be prepared as much as you can be for them to come. At least prepare yourself mentally and emotionally for those things to come. It's like, all right, I know they're going to come might not know what form they're coming in, but I'm prepared enough that when they come, I'm not going to get overwhelmed by them. Hmm. Yes. What a great mental attitude to have. There's a lot of that embedded in so many books you read, like Donald Miller, Building a Business That Lasts, you know, Thinking mm -hmm. Grow Rich, like the most classic of these books. That's the predominant thing is you can get your mind to rethink obstacles. What's an obstacle? What does it mean? Well, an obstacle is merely a stepping stone to what I need to learn. Well, that's not really what we're taught in school. If you fail, you go home and cry and you get an F. Exactly. You know, no, exactly. life doesn't know. You don't get an F in life. You get the chance to try again, which is right. amazing because now you can actually do it right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the phrase that comes to mind, this was told to me many, many years ago. Uh, the difference between stumbling blocks and stepping stones is how you use them. Hmm. Love that. Wow. I've, I've used that since I was, let's just say a lot younger than you. How about <laughs> that? <laughs> okay. So I want to dig a little bit into this whole notion of short form versus long form. And mm -hmm this whole idea of using video and when it comes to marketing and because I know a lot of folks out there who not only listen and pay attention to this show, but just a lot of folks that I know in general that are in business for themselves are like, okay, what am I supposed to do when it comes to marketing? Because I hear so many conflicting things out there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I hear, or the biggest one we hear is, you just, you need to do all of it. Mm. So again, taking that kind of shotgun approach, you know, which if, if you know anything about marketing and I know that you do, shotgun approach to marketing doesn't work because no. you try and scatter and hit as many things as you can, you hit nothing. Yes. So let's not do that. Let's be targeted in how we do that. So back to my original question. I'm not saying that 
short form is the only way to do it and that other ways are the only way to do it. What I'm saying is finding maybe some sort of a healthy middle ground mm. might be at least a way to start. Now, is it dependent upon your industry as to how you need to go? Or do you really just kind of need to know who you're trying to reach and that will determine? Mm, yes, yes. So great question. And I want to pull up, as we talk, I want to pull up the study we did. We're on the heels. We just finished a study last year where we mm. analyzed 400 pieces of our old content to okay. see what actually brought leads, clients, sales, and results. And it was interesting because, you know, in the last 10 years we did as an agency, the agency I sold in 2021, we did 40,000 content projects and the predominant content type we sold out of, you name it, ad copy, white papers, ebooks, lead magnets, uh, web pages, blogs. The main number one was blogging. And we saw oh. blogging work in so many industries, hmm. whether it was like a YouTube influencer taking her content to her blog. Or it was a big brand that was growing their own website and their traffic through the blog. You know, so we saw that type of content, blogging work. And whenever I started out in, on this whole venture, I was like, I'm going to grow my business through writing. Like, I'm just going to commit to that. Because if I can show you that I've grown my business through writing, you'll hire me as a writer. Duh. Right? Mm. <laughs> but I was like, duh. So it really worked out. And what I committed to was the blog. It was the only thing that I really knew. And it was the only thing that I didn't have to invest hundreds of dollars in to get leads. Like with ads, mm -hmm. you really got to invest. But with a blog, you're writing one blog, putting it out. Like that's it. I mean, there's work that goes into it, but that's it. You can literally put a blog out and in months, if you're consistent, get clients. So what we saw across so many industries was the blogging worked tremendously well. And then whenever I dug into the study of the content we publish because we publish so much per year we want to be a case study of success through content so mm. the beginning of 2022 i committed to short form and long form i'm like why not let's do both let's really like give it a go so we did i'm looking at the study now which you can look at at contenthacker.com forward slash links and we did over 316 videos on the short form side so mm. we did tiktok we did reels we did Facebook reels, we did Instagram reels, we did YouTube shorts, we did, you know, all of them. And then on the long form side, we stayed committed to our blog and our email. And then I only did one YouTube video a month. So oh, it was less okay. than half the amount of short form content. So on the short form content side, we had a quarter of a million views total for the customers and the revenue. I should, I should let you guess. We, I did this. I gave this live at a talk in Austin and I let everyone guess. So how many customers do you think? that we got for short form? Would you say well, 10? Would you say five? I'm gonna go, now this is for the whole year. Yes, whole year, 316 okay. pieces. Okay, I'm gonna say less than five. Wow, one, we had one and they wanted to read. So uh, guess how many customers came from 48 blogs, 52 emails, and then 12 YouTube videos? Would you guess 50? Would you guess 40? Would you guess higher? I would have guessed higher, actually. Higher mm -hmm. than 50. Excellent. It was 62. 
And out of the 62, we did 200,000 in sales for that year with no refunds and no disputes. So there you go. (laughs) When we looked at it side by side, short for content, does it bring in clients? And that's the number one question we asked. We didn't ask, Mm. you know, does it build industry authority? Does it, because really, what do we all need from our business? We need revenue. We need clients. Like that keeps the lights on. So when we looked at short form and long form, like short form really didn't do anything except get me more views. And then when we, when we looked at the clients from those views, they were very, they were, they were doubters. They had questions about everything. They Mm -hmm. didn't believe in what we were doing. They like, they came from the short form world. So they didn't believe in what we were teaching, which was long form content. Like that's what we do as a service. So Mm -hmm. it was really interesting to see that clear divide. And I've talked to so many people in that study. We show different people we talk to. And a lot of them see a lot of business owners look at the views they get from Instagram Reels and the people that are watching them that are going viral, like 10,000 plus views, the people and the accounts don't actually look like business owners. They just look like random people. So yeah. you can get really specific when you're doing long-form content. Like you can target a keyword around what it is your business does, like content strategy services. And rank mm-hmm. number one for that. And that is a boom targeted customer. Okay. Okay. You talk about um, creating a sustainable journey versus a grind. Hmm. Tell us what you mean by that. Yes. I love that point. And I think that's that's one reason why I love long for content uh, because the type of business I run you know, I want to be off at 3 p.m. That's when my kid gets off the bus. My second, my baby, he's in daycare right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my first baby, she was in daycare until like five and six. And I just worked like my butt off. <laughs> Didn't work smart. I worked more hard than smart. <laughs> so in the 2020s, like I want to be with my second baby. I want to see every milestone and I want to be done at three. So mm. I've been able to commit to that. And we still had a 300% growth in our business last year. And I'm off at three. So for me, sustainability in business, you know, it really relates to the type of marketing you're doing. Like, are you doing a type of marketing that turns on and off? Like, okay, I have to go on now to get a client. When I go off, no more clients are coming. (laughs) But when you build that website first approach, like I will wake up and I have three leads in my inbox that all found me at four, five, and 6 a.m. And I didn't work for that besides that blog and that email that goes out. So that is why, you know, I really preach a message of sustainability because it can give you the life with your family that you want, especially for me with young kids. I don't want to miss their milestones. That's so critical to me right now. So I have to be done at three and, you know, we've been able to make it work. And that's just, that's like a dream come true for me. Love that. Love that. All right. There's more about short form versus long form and what's better and what's not. And I do want to get into that, but I got to ask this one only because it has become such a hot topic recently, especially for entrepreneurs. Mm. And it it relates more to copywriting than anything, but it touches a lot of areas. Let's talk about AI, artificial intelligence, because there are a lot of programs algorithms being created to do certain things. For instance, um, I mean, I'm not going to use any particular name, but, you know, there are a lot of them out there that advertise and, you know, and they know 
when you're an entrepreneur because you get certain kinds of ads that are coming to you. And one that I get a lot or ones I get a lot are in the area of AI and mm -hmm. had writing, having content written for me from this artificial intelligence for a variety of things, for blog posts, for your entire website, for other things like that. Talk to us about that. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So I've been studying this topic, gosh, probably ever since 2014 when the mm -hmm. first spinner came out and it just basically took your content and it regurgitated nonsense and they call that an article spinner. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like the first foray in my industry where I saw it. And, you know, that got you in trouble. Like, no, no, no. Like your clients are going to leave your site quicker than quicker than a blink. So we went from that to 2023. And we're now looking at OpenAI's latest iteration of their model, which is GPT 3.5. And the language that that AI can speak is incredible. You know, it writes better than some writers I know. Like it is yeah. truly quality writing. But the problem, and this is the one that everyone that loves AI, just they completely overlook. And this to me is a really big problem because, and I think for you and me both, we have integrity, right? At heart in yeah. our business. Like the facts yeah. we share have to be accurate. The content we share has to contain accurate facts. So if you go to openai.com and you read their page about this language model they've developed, which is extremely sophisticated, the one problem they identify like multiple times in that page is OpenAI's model has no source of truth. So for facts, there is none. There's actually hmm. no source of truth. And the chief data scientist at Google who has been studying this tool, she said that you know, it's really, really good at spinning great sounding BS. <laughs> I mean, you got to check, you got to check it. It's not factually accurate. So while you get really good content that you may be very tempted to just publish because it reads well, mm -hmm. the thing is like the facts can be so dramatically off. And we studied this, mm -hmm. of course, on the Content Hacker blog, did a breakdown, interviewed 10 agency owners about their use of AI. And what we mm -hmm. saw really were two things. First, you know, AI is not only missing facts, but it's missing story. So whenever we open a blog or we create a piece of content, we often open it with a relevant culture piece. And like, for example, my writer will talk about when we're talking about pillar content, we will relate it to Lord of the Rings, which delights my heart. Oh. We will say, well, <laughs> read, rule them all. One content piece to rule them all. So whenever okay. we give the same topic to AI, you know, it didn't know even to do that, to pull in a reference like Tolkien. There was none of that. So story and that human feeling is just completely missing because it can't feel. <laughs> it doesn't know right. that. It's no right. sentence structure. And then the other thing was the actual performance of AI written content. You know, there's agency owners that are using it. They're putting it in ad copy with millions of spend. And what they're seeing is the humanly written ad copy actually has a lower cost per lead. And they can't identify it other than that. Hmm. It costs less to do a human, humanly written ad. And it costs more if you run the robot written copy. And I think, huh. you know, after looking at all this, I think that there's a bottom line. We will probably never be able to quantify. But that bottom line is, it's robotic. And we subconsciously know it. And I think hmm. that's why we're not as drawn to it as something that's more humanly produced with feeling with, you know, even if it's like sarcasm, whatever your voice is, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, like the robot's not gonna get that and it will try. 
But I will tell you, you know, we've never been living in an age where AI is this good. So I think there's uses for it and you can potentially have it help you and aid in your writing process, but never replace a human writer with it. Like you'll be in trouble. Gotcha. All right. So let me ask the, uh, the big hairy, scary question. <laughs> what needs to take place for an entrepreneur who wants to effectively market? I mean, you've mentioned websites several times, but we've talked about blog and you also mentioned email list. So is there a way to, can you quantify that? Can you list it for us? Or is it one of those where you kind of have to say, well, in the end, it depends. Mm. Well, I would say kind of some of that, but also none of it. So, okay. Okay. The answer would be, you know, for each and every entrepreneur that runs their own brand, it's really where you start and then where you keep going. That's what matters. So if you haven't developed your brand story, if you haven't developed, let's say a brand name that you love, Mm -hmm. Um, Like, let's say, for example, I'll take uh, one of my students and clients, Sarah, you know, she's a content strategist. She's looking to build her consultancy and sell hourly services as a consultant and a coach. So we helped her define her brand, build her website. And then I'm training her in my coaching program. We do all those things at Content Agger. So one of the things that we helped her do was identify her brand more in a visual way that spoke to her customers. So her brand is, hey, Sarah. And we helped her like develop a more visual look from that, that, um, you know, was designed with a pen, but it was more brought into the 2020s. What she had was, it was just, you know, something that was put together, which is fine for your first launch. Like that's fine, but that won't get you places in 2023. So the branding and the visual story that you tell through your branding, it really, really matters. Like how are you positioned on your website? Is it clear? Is your messaging clear? Are you speaking to the right market? So that's where, you know, everyone should begin before we publish content, before we build the list. Like, how is our messaging? How is our brand? Does it identify us and what we want to do well? Or do we need to elevate it so that we can elevate our positioning in the industry? So that's where to start. You know, and I call that your content differentiation factor. It's your story. It was, it's what makes you you. It's your tone of voice. And to identify all of that and have that written out is so good and critical, really, to developing content that brings in traffic. You know, for example, at Content Hacker, if we had a writer publish a blog that was left field and it wasn't Julia's style and tone and it didn't have story, people that read it would be like, what is this? (laughs) That's why you want to establish these things before you get consistent in content. And then Mm -hmm. after you get that established, website's good, branding's on point. You're ready to fill the blog with content. Your website looks good. Then you got to think about, okay, where do I need to publish the most content? And for me, what I share, what I teach is a content house. So if you're thinking of, okay, where am I going to live on the internet? Where is my house going to live? That should be your website because no one can take that away from you. That's your domain. That's your real estate. And you can build that to hundreds of thousands of visitors per month. Like the sky is the limit once you start blogging and going after these keywords. So. That's the way to do it is to have that sequential order versus, okay, let's start blogging and see how it goes. Let's start emailing and see how it goes. No, like take these steps in order, you know, have your website done and then do blogging, be consistent, publish a blog a week, like really commit to it. 
And then email that blog to your list, nurture your list, tell them, hey, I published a new piece of content. And if that's all you do, like for gosh, for eight years, that's all we did. We emailed the new blog to our list. And that was enough to get clients and orders and people saying, wow, this is a lot of value. Therefore, I'm going to take the next step with you. So sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not a sales pitch at all that builds trust and value. It can be you writing a blog and sending that to your list. Boom, a new sale could come in just from that. Definitely. So it ecosystem, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about your books for a little bit because you yes. are a seven-time author. Uh, I don't want to necessarily get into every single one of your books, but I, I wanted to take what I think is maybe, maybe a different approach to talking about your mm-hmm. books. Mm-hmm. I want to know of the seven you've published so far, because I know that you have... Uh, You've got two more coming out, right? We talked about that earlier. You're going to be taking pre-orders at the end of February. And again, folks, we'll have link in the show notes for you related to that. Of the seven you've published so far, which has been your favorite? Oh, that is a good question. Gosh. Well, you know, as much as my, as much as I love talking about writing and my nonfiction, I have to say probably my memoir woman rising so that story yes that came out in 2020 and that was a complete deviant approach from talking about writing and sharing what i know and teaching other people which i have been doing my other four books up until then so that told the story of escaping a cult Mm -hmm. something that happens in my life well let's uh let's dig into that a little bit because that plays into another question that i have after Mm. that so Again, please only share as much as you feel comfortable with. And folks, if you want the full story of Julia coming out of the cult and what life has been like for her, you need to get her book. But she's going to share a little bit about that with us now. Yes. So, um, you know, as I was sharing my story with you earlier about going through college, waking up one day, I love to write. Okay, how can I make money? The other side of that was, you know, that was me at the age of 21. For 21 years, I've been in a cult and kind of don't know it when you're in it, especially if you're born in it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I don't have a choice. You kind of stuck for a minute. Um, So, you know, there was a lot of abuse. There was physical, mental, just so many different types of abuse happening in the cult. Mm. And my dad was really left field with what he thought about what it meant to be holy. And if you mm. ever watch The Handmaid's Tale, that's fundamentalism is portrayed in that story. That's what I grew up with. So mm. he was a fundamentalist and it was an extreme form of religion that, you know, he identified as Christianity, but really what I've come to know since, nothing, nothing like. So this book that I wrote, Woman Rising, you know, I didn't set out to write a book I never thought I would about escaping a cult and then what it was like to heal after have my own business, start my own family. So never thought I would write that book. Never really wanted to. Kind of avoided it for three years after feeling like, okay, you need to write this book. (laughs) It all started five years after I had escaped. I I was asked to share my story on Mm -hmm. a major publication, Huffington Post at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I shared a little bit about the cult and I had hundreds of comments start to roll in my message, messages. So I was like, there's something here. I need to share this. So I sat on that for three years, said no, and then finally wrote the book. And when it came out, you know, it was 
it reached and touched so many people, especially the people that really needed to read it. So it's been amazing to, you know, first of all, accept that calling, write that book, which was nothing to do with business or marketing. You know, it's like, why am I spending all my time doing this? And like how much that has returned tenfold and helping other people and blessing other people's lives and giving them more courage. Sure. You know, something that I say with frequency is pain is is a necessary part of life. Mm -hmm. And we don't grow without it. We don't. But we have a choice in that growth. We can go through pain, but if we don't put the hard work in of working through the pain to get to the other side, we're never going to learn anything. So if we're willing to do that, pain leads to purpose, which leads to platform. Mm-hmm. I now, like that. I have had some people dispute that, but from all of the anecdotal evidence that I'm aware of, it's usually in that order. It's not. Pain leading to purpose, and that provides the platform. Mm. Interesting. So you're Good telling me there's more to unfold with Woman Rising. There could be. There could be. I believe you. Yes. Yes. So there could be some uh, nonprofit work that comes out of that for you. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's one of my 10-year goals is launching a nonprofit. Nice. Very yeah. nice. All right. What is your favorite part of your job? Hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. It used to be writing, but now that I've started consulting and coaching, I almost have to say it's the breakthrough I see in other people whenever, you know, my talent, my gift for writing affects their lives. So that's my new favorite. Nice. Okay. We talk a lot on this show about relationships, which kind of makes sense since relationship is in the name of the Mm -hmm. podcast. But I want to know, what is it that you're doing right now to improve or to make better your most significant relationships at home? And what impact do those relationships have on your business? Mm, yes. Well, I would have to say, because we can't ignore it, it's the relationship with my newborn mm-hmm. right now, because he's just, he's there. You know? <laughs> yep. so he's nine months old as of chatting with you. He was born in March 2022. Nice. So What's has- his actual birth date? What is it? March 23rd. <gasps> My birthday's the 24th. No kidding. So close. Oh, so close. Wow. One day apart. Oh, and his name is Judah. Starts with a J. Nice. So when he was born, it really, you know, I, I knew because I'd already had one. I knew it was going to impact business and how I did everything. Um, but what I didn't, predict was how time really slowed down but at the same time it feels like time expanded it was strange it was like i was living in this bubble where we had this newborn it was amazing you know i was able to hold him and as he napped in my arms like i was finding myself writing my next book and then like (laughs) god laid on me to write another book which is why there's two coming out this year and i was like "Uh uh-uh not gonna happen i can't write a book i just had a baby what (laughs) <laughs> and then I find myself writing this book and it's like time expanded for me as I picked up that calling and said, all right, I'll write that book. And so one of the new books coming out is a book on miracles that happened to us across all of 2022. Nice. Like we were saved from multiple fires. 
that yeah. we almost had to evacuate from. We, there were just, I won't spoil the rest of what's in that book, but just so many amazing things. And it was like, mm. you have to tell these miracles. You have to retell them. Cause that's how we remember the works of God. Yeah. So I was just like, no, I can't, I can't write that book. Come on. And it was the middle <laughs> of summer. Like it was halfway through the year. And then the book is done by December. Wow. What? That's great. Yeah. So that really impacted me in a way I didn't expect having a baby. I'm sure. I'm sure. Now, what role does your faith play in your business? Hmm. Well, if you'd asked me that a few years ago, it would have been a different answer. But mm -hmm. today, you know, I'm really, I'm, it's threaded in so many different things because what I've seen is whenever I share my faith and I share like a verse or a worship song, I see like people respond and they have hope. And it's like, mm. wow, I don't see this in business. Thank you for sharing that, Julia. Like, I'll hear that. And mm -hmm. so that really encourages me to share it more and, you know, be one of the messengers of hope, really, because that's what you're doing. When you're sharing your faith is you're allowing more people to have hope too. So being able to do that and seeing that feedback has really encouraged me to, you know, do it more and thread verses in and thread, like, even if it's a reel I'll do now and then, you know, it'll be to a voiceover of a verse or a worship mm. song. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I know that it, it certainly impacts what I do and has my entire, my entire adult life. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I like to do is I, I don't, I don't wear my faith on my sleeve. It maybe mm -hmm. is probably the easiest way to say it. Meaning if somebody meets me for the first time, they don't, the first thing they think is not, oh, that's a Jesus follower. That's not the first thing they think, but I don't hide it either. Mm -hmm. And so it comes out in a lot of different ways, usually more subtle ways. And when that comes out, what I have found over the years is it has allowed me an opportunity to be able to, one, share my faith with someone who might not have been open to that before. But secondly, and almost as important, I, I don't, it's not fair to call these other business owners closet Christians because they really aren't, but they've kind of held that part of their lives back from business mm -hmm. because they've always been told that's not supposed to be in business. You keep that out of it. Mm -hmm. And when they've seen me do that with mine, it's like, look, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you don't have to be some obnoxious jerk no. about your faith <laughs> in order for it to be effective. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's allowed some people to see, you know what? I can actually express it in a way that is genuinely me, mm. whatever way that happens to be. And maybe yeah. it is doing something like you talked about. Maybe it could be I'm writing a thank you note to someone and I include a word of encouragement that includes a scripture verse mm. that, that applies to that person in that situation, that sort of thing. Uh, it could be something as simple as that. No. Yes, I love that. I think that's such a great approach to, to really touch people before you just like, oh, I'm a missionary or, you know, they get that feel because funny growing up in a cult, like we were taught to push it down other people's throats and, mm. you know, you knock on mm. doors like we were those people. So I just, oh, I can't be those people. And at the same time, <laughs> I hide it either. 
So it's in the middle ground, right? Mm-hmm. What is your top daily habit? Hmm. I would have to say how I start my mornings, which okay. really changed for me about three years ago. You know, I decided to uh, just, I was going through days where it felt like a lot of fires were happening and business was exploding and some days were good, some days were crazy. And I just couldn't get a handle on my day. So I was like, what if I started my day with reading and prayer just every single day? So I did that mm. almost three years ago. It took a year to get consistent at it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> wild to embed that as a habit. And I'll just mm -hmm. be real. Like, it's just, it was sometimes a struggle to even want to pray. So after a year of, okay, let's really try to do this. Then I went into the second year and the last two years now, I haven't barely gone a morning without starting my morning that way. And it just mm. makes the whole day flow better. And, you know, a day where you're more at ease, you don't feel like everything's going to explode. Even if there's a client that's not happy, like, oh, this is solvable. This is easy. This is something mm. I can fix and overcome. So the mindset really throughout the day has really changed for me because of how I start my mornings. Gotcha. I want to know who is investing in you right now? Mm. I have to say my husband, he's done so much just like at home, little things to support me. He's always mm -hmm. in the background anyway. Like he manages our websites and okay. does that. But what he's doing at home with the baby, like he's really, he's really stepped up and then some. Like just, you know, whether it's like, okay, the dishes are all taken care of. The laundry's all taken care of. Like things like that, that really just put me at peace so I can have an evening where it's more restful. You know, mm. that's really, really done a lot for me in the last several months. Okay. And what are you doing to invest in yourself? Oh, yes. Well, as we approach, we're in this curve right now, leaving 2022, entering the new year. For me, it's reading and journaling that really helps me see like where where I've gone wrong in the past year, if I have, and then where I want to go in the new year. And that's a lot of self-reflection. And then I'll pick up a new book and start reading. And this year I've been reading a lot of, well, the last seven days, because it's a new year. I've been reading <laughs> Donald, Donald Miller and that's been okay. really good, really good. Gotcha. Now, what do you, other than the, the books coming out in pre-orders in February, what do you have coming up that has you excited? I think just the year and the opportunities, you know, with AI coming out, affecting really the industry I'm in, I'm seeing opportunities where humans can be used in different, more unique ways, you know, and strategy and ideation. And I'm really excited to help more people like find those pockets where they can really step up, stand apart and say, okay, even though AI is here, like, here's why you still need me. And then some, so I'm really <laughs> excited to help people find that. I already did that the first of the year. I had a meeting with one of my clients and we just kind of repositioned her whole brand because she's in content and AI was a big concern. So mm. it's like, okay, let's give them more value. And then if you give more value, you can actually increase your rates. So now like all her rates went up too. Mm. So I think the year is so full of opportunities for the people that see them, you know, because you can really see life in one of two ways. You know, it can sure. be really good or really bad. 
So <laughs> seeing the opportunities and the good is has me really excited for the year. Okay, great. How can folks find you? Through contenthacker.com is definitely the best way. And then Instagram, I'm Julia E. McCoy. Same on YouTube and Twitter. But my website, you'll see blog content, podcast content. That is kind of where I live. We're talking about the content of house. Right? That's my <laughs> right. house on the internet. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now we've got a uh, uh, final four that I mentioned to you earlier that we're going to hit here in just a minute. But before we get to that, do you have any winding up or final thoughts that you want to share with the audience? Well, I really appreciate you asking these questions and getting into the nitty gritty of like just what makes my expertise tick and what we've been doing at Content Hacker and really the story behind all of this. And um, just a quick shout out, I have a mentorship program, the Content Transformation mm -hmm. System, where you can kind of walk with me for 12 months and it's a year-long program and learn everything about sustainable marketing. So oh. that's a great way to, you know, get started if you're like, well, I want to get off the hamster wheel this year of marketing where I just, I don't have that sequence of the right steps to take and then mm -hmm. get into that sustainable lane where you can wake up and 3, 4, 5 a.m. have those leads knocking on your door too. Like that is possible. And it's not, you know, it's not an MLM pyramid scheme. Like it's possible. <laughs> so I just wanted to share that. And you can learn more about that at contenthacker.com. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll definitely be sure to mention that in the show notes about not only your website, about that particular program as well. Oh, awesome. All right. On to our final four. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. There are four quick questions. Just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay, let's do it. All right. Why did God create Julia? Mm. Wow. I didn't say I, they'd be easy. Okay. I said they'd be quick. <laughs> oh. I have to say to make a difference through my writing. Okay. Yes. Excellent. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Mm. Well, I'm listening to a lot of expert takes on AI. I want to hear it all and then see what's going to work the best. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a lot of YouTube there. And then I'm reading, um, rereading Thank and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And then I'm reading Building a Business, uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller again. So I read uh -huh. those two books once, reading them again, just for a refresher going into the new year. Excellent. What do you do for fun? Oh, I love the outdoors. So it's usually hiking out here in Texas Hill Country. Or mm. if it's warm, we'll go swimming. We live right by the lake. Um, or we kind of have a little farm here with chickens. So sometimes it's just going out and hanging with the chickens. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. What are you most grateful for? I would have to say my family. You know, my husband, my kids, like that really... It gives me, even though it's like, kids are not easy, as you know, it's, you know, it can be a, oh, this is a constant argument or it can be, oh, I can't sit down for a second. <laughs> but then there's the joy of, you know, seeing their faces light up whenever you just go and say hello and give them a hug like that. You can't quantify that is just immeasurable. Mm -hmm. So those things I'm so thankful for and the moments with them. 
Well, I'm not sure I could have said that better myself. So well done. Oh, thank you. You bet. And Julia, thank you very much for being here, for spending some of your time with us and sharing your knowledge and your heart with us, because both of those came through with flying colors. Oh, thank you so much, John. Well, it takes a great host to be able to make that happen. You facilitated, you stewarded that environment. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you to all of you who decided to tune in today. You have provided your most precious resource, and that's your time. And I never want to take that lightly. So thank you for investing it. I hope you have invested it well. I think you have. But you'll let me know. I know you will. (laughs) Again, thank you, everybody, for being here today. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember, passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye.